Hello, and welcome to the Without Exception podcast. My name is Josiah Ott, and on this podcast, I seek to share practical content for everyday Christians. My hope is that I can help you live out your faith each day without exception. Thanks for tuning in, whether this is your first time or you've been listening with me since the beginning of the podcast. I really appreciate you listening. This is episode number 15, and today I'll be sharing about grace from Titus chapter 2. Now, before we get started, I would like to say that there may be some unexpected background noise. Because I don't have a video podcast, you don't know where I'm recording, but my family and I were actually out of town. And because of some traveling and different things, I have not had the opportunity to stay ahead like I wanted to on the podcast. So I'm actually recording this in the back of our car. It's pretty ambitious. And yeah, I'm thankful I don't have a video podcast right now. But uh, we're at a campground, so you might hear some people in the background or stuff. It might be a little bit different than normal. But I still think I have a good good message for you today, and I hope it is a blessing to you. So as I said, we're going to be going over the idea of grace again. I think this may be the final part on grace. I might do one more week. I'm not positive, but we're going to be in Titus chapter 2. Now first, uh, throughout life, I would venture to say all of us have or will have to assemble something that we've purchased at some point in life. And if you ever bought something that came with terrible instructions, something that should uh, not have been difficult to assemble, and perhaps with even a basic explanation from a teacher, you could have easily assembled it. Uh, Maybe other times you've lucked out and you've bought something with very clear and easy instructions. But it's one thing that I don't know. It's almost like a surprise. You know, you get a little kid that has has the cereal box, kind of this classic old illustration. There's the toy and you don't know what it's going to be. Well, almost when you buy something that you know is going to need assembled, it's almost like got that same fun element of surprise. Is this going to be impossible to put together because the instructions are terrible? Or will this be pretty easy to put together and relatively straightforward? Recently, my daughter, Sayla, she got a, a play kitchen set. You know, she's a little girl, got a little play kitchen um, from from my mom for her birthday. And it was pretty easy to put together. It was a lot of steps, but the instructions were pretty much straightforward and it was pretty easy. Now, another gift she received was a little kid's uh, table and chair set. So it's got two little chairs for, um, for someone her size. She's two. And uh, she wants me to sit down and, you know, eat with her and stuff. And I do sometimes. The chair hasn't broke yet. But when we put them together, it was actually very difficult because the instructions were not, weren't very good. And we found that it was actually really, really simple. It was much more simple than the play kitchen was. But because the instructions were difficult to deal with, you know, we just had to deal with... uh, trying to figure stuff out on our own and piecing it together. And once we had it sorted out, we're like, man, this would have been so much easier if I could have just put it together on my own. And I didn't have to worry about, you know, trying to figure it out. And, you know, if I could have just thrown it together, but it is what it is, right? And so in in life, we experience this a lot, but I am thankful, very thankful that God has given us clear instructions in his word on how we are all to live. And beyond that, he promises that his grace will equip us, will teach us, and will empower us to live that life that he desires for us to live. In my example of of assembling something with poor instructions, grace can actually be pretty much every step of the process. Grace can be the actual instruction. It can be the teacher itself to to explain how something is to be done. And it can actually be the tools uh, to enable you to do the job. Grace is so far-reaching in its... uh, 
in its ability to empower us and ability to work through us, that it can really fulfill almost any role in this example. Now, I've found throughout life, many people will say something like, God will never ask you to do something that you're incapable of doing. But I don't really find that this is, um, or that you're, he'll, yeah, he'll never ask you to do something you're incapable of doing. I've found that this isn't really accurate. I don't really think it's accurate biblically. I don't really think it's accurate to real life. I mean, everybody feels that anytime God calls them to do anything, it's something that they can't do. But one thing I have found is that the idea of God calling us to do things or asking us to do things or desiring for us to live a certain way according to his word that we are completely incapable of doing makes us reliant on him as our provider and our source is our strength to accomplish his will. Even when Paul was writing and said, I, I've got this thorn in my flesh, and I've asked God three different times, God, would you please take this thorn away? And God said, no, because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And Paul, you might become conceited. You know, your reliance on me due to the thorn is actually a benefit, even though you don't like the thorn. And so I think throughout life, uh, God will call us to do things that there's no way we can do. But through him we can, and through his grace we can. And I found a, a great example in my life, something that I find almost funny, is I'm not somebody that likes big groups. Uh, when we go to like family gatherings and stuff, my wife all the time, you know, she loves to do family stuff, and she gets really excited about these family events and family gatherings. And I love family, and I love people. But too many people at one time is just, it, it's very, it's very hard for me. It's, it's overwhelming. I mean, anything more than like a group of 10 people, a lot of times for me, it's too many people in one space. But uh, at this season of life, God has called my wife and I to youth ministry. And for somebody that doesn't like groups because they're overwhelming and loud, uh, youth ministry is kind of a hilarious thing to do because we've got a lot of teenagers and they're all loud and wild. And for somebody with my temperament in this way, it's really, really um, difficult to deal with at times. But because of God's grace and his call on our lives at this stage, it's really not as difficult as it might seem. I'm sure that someday when we are to move on to a different uh, form of ministry and, and his grace lifts, so to speak, uh, from this present call, I'm sure we'll know. Recently, last week, I believe it was, maybe 10 days ago now, I was sick. I had a little bit of a fever and you know wasn't feeling the best. And so I took um, some some ibuprofen, some different things that are like a fever reducer. And all of a sudden I was feeling so much better and it's like I wanted to go back to work and I was feeling great. And then all of a sudden, a couple hours later, you know, this this medication, you know, it wore off and all of a sudden I realized, man, I'm not actually better at all. In fact, I'm still definitely, I'm definitely sick. So once that medication, you know, wore off, I realized how much of the of the load it was carrying at that time. And I think that grace functions in our lives in the same way. So as I said, we're going to overview Titus chapter 2. So we're going to dive in here. A little background first. The um, epistle to Titus was not written by Titus. It was written by Paul, the apostle. And Titus was actually one of his apprentices, somebody that traveled with him and did ministry, uh, much in the same way that Timothy and Silas did as well. And so Titus was a young ministry leader of some sort, a pastor of some sort, on the island of Crete in the Mediterranean Sea near Greece. And the letter of Titus is Paul's instruction to a young leader and giving him pointers on how to lead the church, how to deal with people, how to instruct the people. And this is what the, um, the letter to Titus is all about. 
And as I said, we're going to be overviewing chapter two. Chapter two begins with his instructions to Titus as to how to teach specific people groups. He says, you know, command older men to live like this, command older women to live like this, and to teach the younger women this. And then he specifically told Titus, you need to be an example to the younger men, and your message needs to be above reproach. He basically says, Titus, you need to live a life of integrity to the point where if somebody comes against us and against our message, they can't find any grounds for any accusation against you because you're somebody that lives uprightly and godly. So he goes and and he gives this instruction in the beginning of chapter two. And then Paul concludes his instructions by saying this, with going over the source of their empowerment, for the grace of God has appeared. And this is how verse 11 begins. And I want to read 11 through 14 to you today. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So he says, Titus, you need to command these people. This is how they're to live. Older men should live like this. Older women should live like this. This is how they're an example to younger women. This is how you're an example to younger men. All these things. Uh, For the grace of God has come. So he's saying that basically, because the grace of God has come, we are capable of doing this. And the grace of God has come not only to to save us, right? You know, the grace that came through salvation through Jesus Christ, grace and truth came through Jesus. But grace has come to teach us, to train us, to instruct us to live a certain way, to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. I think it's interesting, so much of Titus, in this section at least, is an outward expression of faith. You know, faith is not just something we believe internally, it's something we live externally. The idea of good works or good deeds is mentioned multiple times throughout Paul's epistle to Titus. And so we're called to live a public faith, right? That begins again with that first part, that grace has come not only to save us, but to teach us how to live. We're supposed to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, the things of this world, this present age, this life that are against God, those things we're supposed to renounce them and flee from them and run from them. And then we're supposed to live self-controlled and upright and godly lives. I found it interesting that self-controlled is one of the only uh, descriptors or only ways that Paul tells uh, Titus to teach all these groups, you know, older men live self-controlled lives. Older women live self-controlled lives. Teach younger women to live self-controlled lives. Younger men live self-controlled lives. Titus, you live a self-controlled life. Like self-control is such a uh, a necessity for those who are are going to be professing Christians, especially in that in that region, especially in that day, because Christianity was not had not already impacted so much of the world. And because it was so fresh, they didn't, their message could not be compromised by a compromised life. They had to live their faith in this way to be able to witness to the world. I found a, uh, a commentary that overviewed this section. I want to read a quote that I thought was very helpful. It says that God's grace provides the basis for such instructions. It has saved and it teaches by both telling what to do and by enabling one to act accordingly. 
The result is that Christians are able to say no to sin, whether it be rebellion against God as in ungodliness or pursuit of sinful desires as in worldly passions. God's grace enables us here and now in this present age to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. That's from the Evangelical Commentary on the Bible, page 1117. It's a resource that I use quite a bit. I like a lot of what they have to say. And I love that in this stage too, it talks about here and now. That's kind of the second part is that God's grace enables us here and now in the present age, in our present time to live godly lives that are honoring to, to God and are a witness of him. And specifically, the second part is that believers are supposed to live this empowered and overcoming life as we await Jesus's return. This is awaiting the, our blessed hope. Or what is our blessed hope? The, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You, when he comes again and all of, all of the concerns of this life wash away because, we, because he has come and, and, and come to the earth again and he's going to set up his reign forever and not just reign as king of heaven, but reign is, is the king of, of the earth and the prince of the power of the air. The devil will be, will be destroyed and conquered in in the fullness of all this uh, being accomplished. I mean, it's just such an amazing thought. And I, you know, I was kind of convicted thinking about this and I, you know, how often in my own life do I have this posture of patiently awaiting the return of Jesus Christ, thinking every day that, you know, Jesus could be coming back. And am I ready? And am, am I looking forward to this? Am I living a life today, you know, in a patient stage of waiting, knowing that Jesus is coming again? And even if he doesn't come while I'm still alive, that I'll be with him in heaven. It's something that I think is is powerful and it's something that grace empowers us to do. That as we live these godly lives that we're awaiting his coming. And the third part here is that uh, Paul reminds Titus that Jesus gave himself for us. I love that Jesus didn't just command us from afar or, or, or anything like that or dictate, for, you know, legislate from the mountain or whatever the the um, saying is there, Jesus came down in the form of sin, f- sinful flesh. You read Philippians chapter two, talking about the humility of Jesus Christ, who, who di- didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped and made himself of no reputation. He did all these things and he came down and he gave himself for all of us to redeem us from lawlessness and to purify us as his own people who are zealous for good works. And I love I so love that statement. You know, the idea that we are his people. We're supposed to be purified. We're supposed to be zealous for good works. We're supposed to be different from the rest of the world because of what Jesus has done for us. The people of God should always look different. You know, the whole idea of the church, the church comes from the word ecclesia, the Greek word ecclesia, which means it comes from two different words and it means called out. We're supposed to be called out from the rest of the world. God has chosen us. We're supposed to be different from everybody else. And how do we do this, right? We first we, we have to seek His grace, and then follow after His His desires by walking in the Spirit. Paul said in Galatians five, verse sixteen and seventeen. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And it might sound complicated and super, you know, super spiritual. But I think that walking by the spirit is a lot of it is just having a posture of dependence on God, of love for God, 
constantly asking him to be refilled with his Holy Spirit. You know, people talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit as if it's a one-time event. And I believe the um, the space in, I think it's Ephesians 5, I'm, I'm not positive off the top of my head, but where Paul says to be filled with the Spirit, it's to be continually filled. And every day as a believer, you should pray, God, fill me afresh with your Spirit today, God, that I can do your will. God, fill me with your grace today. You know, overwhelm me with your grace today. Not that I can live in a, a lifestyle of sin and in dishonor of God, but so that I can live a life honoring to God, that I can renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. And that's a prayer that I pray, I, I can't say every day, but I would say almost every day, especially, you know, as I said, right now we're traveling. Sometimes it's it's the hardest for me in my life, just to be transparent, to keep my spiritual disciplines and rhythm is when we're traveling. It's hard to to escape from the rest of whoever you're with and find time to pray or find time to read. And then you're traveling, you're spending hours on the road, and it's just, it's not always easy. But when I'm at home in my regular rhythm, and I try almost every day still to have a routine where I pray and say, God, I need your grace. You know, I need your grace to equip me. I need, I need God, your grace to be the husband, God, that you've called me to be, to be the father that you've called me to be, to be the friend that you've called me to be. And I think this is an important thing for all of us to be able to pray. And, you know, it doesn't have to be some deep spiritual thing that so many people try to make things impractical. It's like, God, I, I need your grace today. And as I said, like with in my example earlier with the medicine, I think that God's grace is so much more involved in our lives than we realize. We probably take credit for a lot of things that really are only done because of God. And and I so think we need to keep that in mind. But it's a, a prayer that I, I would advise you pray every day, depending on your on your context. I mean, if you're a woman listening, you're not going to pray to be a better father, you know? And if you don't have any kids, um, you're not going to pray to be a better father or mother, you know? So just think of your context. Think of, of where you're at, your relationships, your life, and just find those areas where you can practically pray, God, I need your grace to help me live an overcoming life in this area. God, this is something I struggle with. God, I need your grace to empower me to renounce ungodliness and to turn from this. And, and God, I need your grace to be the whatever, you know, whatever context you're looking at that I need to be. God's called us to be greater than we are, than we are. You know, when we come to God, we're supposed to, we're supposed to change and we're supposed to go and be more conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. But we need him to be able to do this. We can't just try harder. We need him. Galatians 5, to 23 says that the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. It's patience. It's kindness. It's goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things, there is no law. And I love this section. I found in the commentary, they said that the fruit, it's both desires and characteristics. And I loved that statement. So we look at this and say, these should be the characteristics of somebody that is following after Jesus Christ and is filled with the spirit. But not only that, it should be our desires. I found that there's times, again, we're traveling. I'm not as patient as I would like to be. I'm not as self-controlled as I would like to be. I'm not as gentle as I would like to be. There's times where I talk to my my wife and I'm like, that was not gentle, right? You know, but I'm also not the person I used to be. I think I shared that either in last week or the previous weeks is that grace is, means I'm not the man I used to be, but I'm also not the man I'm going to be. So there's still areas that I need to grow in. But this is our model. And these are the things we should desire as followers of Jesus Christ. 
and we should continually be able to conform into this image and gain these characteristics more and more. So I've become increasingly convinced, as I've said, that somebody cannot receive Christ and leave unchanged. You may not change into a brand new person outwardly the instance, the exact moment you profess your faith, but you cannot become a Christian and be a Christian for a period of years and remain the same way you've always been. And so we can learn from Paul's instruction to Titus that these attributes are of Christian living. These are, this is what it means to be a Christian. And as a Christian, we're meant to live different. We're meant to live upright and godly as we patiently await the return of Jesus Christ. And in the meantime, we can all represent him to the earth today as his special redeemed people, right? He said, purified as a people for his own possession. That is who we are. So ask God today, as I said a minute ago, for help every day that we can approach the throne of grace to receive grace to help in our time of need, to be the Christian that he's called you to be, the spouse or the parent or the relative or the friend. All of us have relationships. I mean, even the employee that he called has called you to be. Everyone has an area that God's grace can be manifested in, in your life, in my life, and we can honor him in it. And the amazing thing is this isn't just behavior modification. It's life change through the gospel. It's not me trying to be a better version of me. It's me acknowledging that I cannot do this on my own. I need Jesus. And through the grace of Jesus Christ, I'm going to be a better person than I was yesterday. This is not me trying harder and conforming a secular self. It's me becoming more and more like Jesus because I'm becoming less like myself. And it's only through his grace. So with that... I thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Without Exception podcast. I pray that this episode has been edifying to you and that it is something you can put into practice in your own life. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe and share it with others. If you were listening on Apple, I would love it if you would leave a review. It helps with the exposure of the show. That said, I pray you have an awesome week. And until I see you next time, let's live out our faith each day without exception.